As we return to the journey of Season 4 of Chronicle, we welcome another podcaster, bringing a European horror movie that they want to discuss with myself. This one hits close to home. During the recording, we found out that some of the sets were located less than 10 minutes' drive from where this podcaster actually resides. It has a relatively Scottish cast, along with some Irish as well, and funded by both Irish and British film money. On this episode, we'll be joined by Jeff Lawn, who's bringing to us Let Us Pray from 2014. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Lift off. Night, and the wicked must pay for their sins. It's me who comes to collect. According to our records, you are one Alexander Monroe, and you died in 1983, aged 79. I see you looking well, Al. No ID, no phone, no keys. Just this book. Where is he? He knows. Knows what? Everything. Why did Dr. Hume attack you? Because the clock is ticking. Midnight is approaching. He said you know. Know what exactly? That the price of our sins is paid for in blood. I didn't even see her. Every last one. So who's first? It says we're all here for a reason. Things we've done. The bills we have to pay. How does he know? Who is it? What have you done, Rachel? Go to hell. Why bother? All the devils are here. Just tell me who you are. You know who I am. Help! All I want from them is their souls. You, though, I want so much more. By the wrath of the Lord Almighty, the land will be scorched. Amen. What is it? And welcome back, ladies and gents. This is episode number five of season number two. Season number two? Season number four, actually. 
feels like there's only been two seasons, but that's because there's only been two seasons in the last two years. Uh, and the previous two came years before that. But yeah, season number four, episode number five of Chronicle joining me on this episode. That's right, this season we've got guests, y'all. is a very good friend of mine. His voice is the is the shiny spot in the summer series that we do on podcasts under the stairs every year because I know, I know that just when I need some self-deprecating humour, he has the goods. He comes with a truckload of that. It's my good friend, Jeff. Lauren, how's it going, Jeff? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good. How are yeah. you? <laughs> I'm not bad. We almost we almost had a clash here of <laughs> this is like I, this is totally my fault because I dare say had I bothered to read back the chat thread, I would have remembered that you pitched a few movies to me and I uh, didn't didn't read clearly enough <laughs> what that was. So we both came in having prepared two different movies. It just so happens the luck of the gods smiling down on us, that the movie that you've watched for this episode is one that I've seen relatively re- recently, so it's all nice and fresh in my memory. Um, and the one that I've watched in prep for this, I wouldn't recommend that you rush out to go and check out anyway, because technically an interesting movie, but it appears the only version that is available to English-speaking countries is one that is horribly overdubbed, and it kind of takes a little bit of the shine off it. So, um, Jeff, let the listeners out there know legitimately con- confirmed what movie we're here to discuss. <laughs> All right. So I decided on us watching Let Us Pray from 2014, I yep. believe. Yep. Um, and not Kidnap from 2010. <laughs> no. Which is a completely different movie. This is a weird one because Let Us Pray came out same year as I think it's Last Shift yep and both of them are essentially kind of supernaturally kind of sieged set movies and playstations right yep and I mean it's like buses you wait like hours and hours and hours for a bus and there's no sign of one and then all of a sudden three come along at a time because <laughs> um, like it always, we, we had, it always had, reminds me of um playing the grand theft auto games when you were always doing the car missions where you mm-hmm. needed to steal a certain car you could never find them but as soon as you found one you found a hundred oh, there, were, there was loads of them there yeah they were just, <laughs> they were just everywhere yeah, it's, it, yeah there's nothing worse and these things happen from time to time you know in hollywood where i just get the feeling that someone thinks of being really original and it turns out there's maybe a few scripts kind of flying around one of the big ones always was that and it was a big rumor which sadly was kind of perpetuated online was that uh, The Cave was essentially the first American remake of The Descent and what a lot of people don't know um, is that both those movies were actually in a race against time to come out because both of them were very much aware that they were horror movies about spelunking Um, (laughs) and yeah so both of them were in a mad race to try and get their movie out so they wouldn't be the one accused of copying the other. Right. And you saw what happened there. Like, <laughs> poor <laughs> The Cave came out and it got tagged with that. Um, it got tagged with that. Hey, well, they're trying to copy The Descent and they weren't. Both those movies legitimately in production at the same time. Um, so you've picked Let Us Pray. This is a British horror movie with Irish money, um, <laughs> which, I mean, is great. It fits the bill. It, you know, it, it ticks the brief. Um, this one here, though, it does my heart good because we have uh, 
a, a young Miss Pollyanna McIntosh um, from Scotland, um, yeah. which makes me very happy because we, we do love the Pollyanna McIntosh. Um, small obsession with her uh, ever since the woman. Which oh, she's great. Yeah, which like, and I know she's done a lot on that Walking Dead that I stopped watching a while ago. But she's she apparently had a very good run on that, and that's that's coming to an end now. Uh, and a great actress, a director. She's went on and done loads of things. But there's weirdly there's other things in here which just make this insanely Scottish. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Watson is a guy in this movie who plays a character called Ralph. Um, Jonathan Watson is most commonly known in Scotland as a kind of sketch comedian oh. and has done sketch comedy on TV since I was a kid. Wow, he plays totally against that. A hundred percent against that. Wow, I think wow. it's kind of the Michael Smiley approach. You know how like Michael Smiley is in all those Ben Wheatley movies as a relatively serious actor, but yeah. he's an Irish stand-up comedian, so... I'd- Interesting. I just think they can find their way. So yeah, Jonathan Watson being in this one is is surprising to me because, like I say, I like I've known him from from being a kid. Anyone Scottish and around my age will have grown up with this guy on on BBC One and everything from kind of Rab C Nesbit, which is a TV show, by the way. I've not just had a stroke. Um, <laughs> like right through to um, it was a, a only an excuse, which is a kind of football related sketch comedy thing yeah he's been in loads of that but it also has Liam Cunningham who has been in everything but is probably now more notable for his role in Game of Thrones okay yeah and I see that's one series I didn't really watch ah there's everybody's always like oh yeah it's that not just for Liam but in character people in general actors in general are like oh yeah they're in game of thrones i'm like you know they might be i i couldn't tell you though <laughs> sorry i was at um glasgow fright fest uh yeah it would be last month now um so about four five weeks ago and there was three irish horror premieres at that and right. uh one of the directors basically basically came out and said at the start I just want to let you know there's a lot of Game of Thrones actors in this movie and the sad state of affairs is you cannot swing a cat in Ireland and not hit an actor that's been in Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, it kind of seems that way now. Yeah, they've all been in it. So, like, in some respects, it's kind of cool because you're going to get that name recognition that you can put on there. But the other thing is, like, it makes actors incredibly typecast. Yeah. Because you just expect to see that, like, they're either villains because they were villains in Game of Thrones, or it has to be a period piece because Game of Thrones, um, or you know, like, you're so distracted because wait one second, they were in Game of Thrones, and Liam Cunningham was uh, a prominent character in Game of Thrones, um, and he's not playing the same sort of character in this one, which is which is kind of good to know. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not burdened by the, uh, oh, hey, yes. that's the Game of Thrones person. So. You, you, you've, missed, you've missed out on that, luckily, at the moment. <laughs> uh, this one is directed by Brian O'Malley, um, who has been plugging away, um, doing, doing movies. He This was his, I believe, his feature-length directorial debut. Uh, he followed it up in relatively quick succession a couple of years later with The Lodgers, which was a, 
I mean, I didn't love it, didn't hate it. I, th I thought it was a fine kind of period piece haunted house gothic horror movie. I thought it was yeah. know, okay for what it was. Mm -hmm. um, it then went to work on a TV show that I have never watched uh, called That Dirty Black Bag. Yeah, it seems like it's a new one, huh? Yeah, just out and um, on AMC and it looks like a western and... Um, I don't know if I will ever watch it. Although <laughs> Dominic Cooper's in it, and I do like Dominic Cooper, and he was not in Game of Thrones. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> now I can enjoy it without having to worry if somebody's in Game of Thrones. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the, that's from a directing point of view. Um, the synopsis here. And then we're gonna we're gonna start talking about this movie. Is held in a remote police station, a mysterious stranger takes over the minds and souls of everyone inside. I, I mean, it, that's technically true. It's also yeah. at the same time incredibly vague, like just yep. very, 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 very vague. And uh, I mean, yeah, I'd, I I would like a little bit more meat on them bones, <laughs> but that's what we're here to do um, on this one. So the first question I have to ask you is like, where? Were you overly familiar? Had you seen this when it came out, or is this a movie you kind of got into kind of later on? Um, I'm not real sure, honestly, how long ago I saw it. It was a while back, kind of when Netflix had, you know, a good selection of stuff here yeah. in the US anyway, before, you know, they kind of were like, you know what, let's only make really bad Netflix movies. And <laughs> Um, so I, I think I saw it on there and I was like, you know what, I, I'm into like the police, um, you know, building movies and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good with the siege and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, let's, let's watch this. And I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's got like a, almost a supernatural twist to it, a good versus evil type of feel. So I was like, you know, pretty cool movie. I like it. Um, and then I think I did like a revisit of it at one point. I was like, it's actually kind of gory. Oh yeah. And, parts that i didn't remember uh you know the police chief or the doctor um but yeah this that's i guess this would be the third time re-watching it to do the show um with you and you know i, I like it just as much as the first time maybe a little bit more yeah that's kind of similar to what you're saying like i i remember distinctly remember like doing both this and the last shift um, at you know, in or around the same time to round out my year's viewings, this would have been yeah. a kind of cram these movies in either uh, most likely it would have been 2015, uh, I think. Um, because mm -hmm. even though 2014 is the date here, it wasn't actually properly released until 2015 in the UK, so I would have crammed these in towards the end of the year. Um, I remember liking The Last Shift a little bit more because that one is like that one goes for the scares, um, yeah. You know, but like very much like yourself, I remember this one having a bit more of a kind of headier subject matter, and then kind of not remembering how like violent it actually is, and then coming back to it. Um, and like I say, I watched this within the last year and a half. Um, coming back to watch it again, just being surprised how well this held up, because the last shift I also watched in around a year ago. And I enjoy that. I don't think that holds up as well on like the second view, mostly because of the you know it, it, it plays a lot of certain now predictable jump scares 
which weren't predictable on the first watch, where this one doesn't really play that sort of game. If anything, this is a kind of cat and mouse game, but it's using, yeah, it's using a bit of uh, subtext. It's using a little bit of good versus evil, like you mentioned. It's kind of playing in the waters of... um, Morality tale, for sure. 100%, yeah. It very much is playing that way. And... As a result of that, I think it actually stands up kind of better on repeat viewings because you get that kind of first view, you get that kind of not superficial view, but you have a distinct view of what you're watching. And then mm-hmm. every time I've kind of watched it since, which will be twice, similar to yourself, I've kind of felt like the movie actually you can take it one of one of a couple of different ways, and there's a bit of a a bit of a deeper storytelling narrative going on there if you want to do that if you don't want to do that guess what it plays just as well without it um yeah. so yeah i'd like as as of the two this is like had you asked me back in 2015 uh what one would i lately have went back to quickly it would have been the last shift and i think the the pendulum's now swung the other way um talking a plot of this one i mean if we want to get into a bit more detail which we probably should it it kind of it kind of follows the classic setup of you know like if we're gonna do like a siege movie if we're gonna do the old uh, assault and precinct thirteen approach um, we have to have a someone's about to start the first night or someone you know they've been there a week or whoever the rookie cop is yeah is just gonna start a shift just a, it's the kind of hot it's the horror equivalent of this is my last day before I retire. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of see, like in all these cop movies, it's the, it's one or two ways. You're either just starting the force or you're just retiring and that's when the bad <laughs> shit happens. If yeah, you've got no a, in between. Yeah, if you've been there for 10 years, you're fine. Um, nothing bad's going to happen to you, but uh, you're bookending the either way. Um, so yeah, um, Rachel is her name of our, our brand new copper played by the delectable Pollyanna McIntosh. Um, she is working in a, a kind of remote um, police station in Scotland. So I see why you picked this movie, Jeff. I can see <laughs> no. right through you. Um, but yeah, like it's the sort of it's the sort of time where nothing you're not going to be picking up murderers or like bank robbers or anything like that. Chances are. It's going to be people that are drunk and disorderly, maybe a shoplifter. Uh, you know, it's not serious, hardened crime. Um, Seems like more of the crimes you would find in uh, Hot Fuzz. Yes, well, that, to be honest, that's like that's mo- the most of the UK. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be honest, all the all the hardcore stuff seems to happen like elsewhere yeah, in the UK. But, yeah, m- most of the. I mean, I, I'd like, I'd, like I like I. Even where I live, and I live in a, a not not the busiest area of Scotland by any stretch of the imagination, but probably top ten, um, kind of busiest areas in Scotland. Um, and I mean, there's crime reported, but it's it's you know, it's kiddie paddling pool compared to the 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 the, the ocean of crime that is anywhere else in America <laughs> by yeah, comparison. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, kind of embarrassing for us. You see that, but I mean, we I, love I, our like, crime. Yeah, you you do love your crime. 
and your guns. And I I love America, and I will say no bad things about it, just in case. Uh, but yeah, like, um, so they're essentially, you know, it's a small, kind of, quiet, rundown police station. I think Rachel, on some level, is kind of kind of maybe looking for something a bit more exciting but at the same time you know temper and expectation she wants to do her job really really well um and then and then all hell kind of breaks loose uh, with the inclusion of a particular evil uh, which starts to manifest itself through uh, douglas russell here who plays sergeant mccready i mean is it a nod to the thing possibly uh <laughs> kind of love it if it is um he starts to manifest certain uh, i was gonna say that, that certain darkness but that's kind of that's kind of has maybe been a bit too aloof with it and then and then shit starts going sideways and then we're in a kind of like you mentioned before a kind of uh, a, a war of morality good versus evil on not the grandest scale in the world, is more insular, but if anything, that kind of smaller setting uh, adds a, a level of, I would say, like more high stakes and claustrophobia um, mm-hmm. to the proceedings. And then you're also getting a ton of like incredible practical effects and quite a bit of gore in this one. Um, let, let's let's kind of break this down here. I think the the thing that kind of stood out to me the most and probably still does every time like i've revisited this is the casting is really 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 good in this movie like genuinely good like all the roles here are surprisingly well done and you don't quite it's not that you don't quite expect it there's not a lot of money in this movie and it is a movie that's deliberately trying to cast Scottish actors. I'm not saying that we don't have many great actors here, because I don't. But that you know, that's as bad as me walking over and saying there's too many guns in America. Uh, you're just going to upset people. But like in general, I think it's a good mix of ages. It's a good mix of sexes as well. You've got a couple of a couple of great female characters in here, but like the performances are all surprisingly surprisingly straight um like we mentioned before jonathan watson is by by his core a, a comedian but does not play that sort of role in here they like plays it very very serious i love he's that yep. and liam cunningham is great in this like genuinely he's that great actor anyway but he's great uh pollyanna mcintosh i mean a powerful female character this is well, it's a couple of years removed from the woman and she's not typecast which i love because that's what you expect you expect her to be right now grunt now make weird noises <laughs> gargle bite a finger off um, are you are you familiar with the rest of the cast because this is a pretty small pretty small cast yeah yeah so um hannah stansbridge uh, who plays jennifer in this one i have seen her and there's a tv show over here called river city um mm-hmm. which is kind of shitty it's kind of like a soap opera set in glasgow and she's probably more known in that she did that in or around the same time to be fair um so i I, i'm aware of her face uh so i've seen her in things before Uh, and the other kind of surprised with her character it had Hmm. it had a lot more depth than you know how we're first introduced to her and the other um 
officer she's kind of having an affair with. Yeah, yeah. But she, I, but yeah I, was, I was actually kind of surprised there was just more behind the character and just her in general. And I was, you know, this yeah. time I was like, well, that's kind of nice. So well, I mean, I she's not the, the best person, but, uh, you it's, know, it's good to I, see it. I think they do all that really, really well. I think that's the thing that kind of, like, surprises me more than it probably should is that i think they kind of have that's the that's the thing maybe the last shift doesn't do as well is the depth for all the characters mm-hmm. like the main characters are handled to you know like they, they feel like realized characters but anyone on the sidelines is just not really dealt with with any great degree of of three dimensions right. um so yeah, I, like I think they do that really well. Brian Larkin's another guy that I know, but he's been in like so much TV; it's unbelievable. Um, I, I've just recently binge watched all of Vikings, um, oh. and he, he makes a, like a very small appearance um, in that. So I've, I've seen him there, and the last one was the guy that plays Doctor Duncan Hume. Um, it was a guy called uh, uh, Neil Fulton. Okay. And I was hoping you would say it because I didn't know how to pronounce that. It, it looks like Nile. Like a, yeah. He's almost like a poor man's uh, Cillian Murphy or whatever. He really, really is. He really, yeah. really, really is. Um, and I know him because, and this is where we get holy Scottish here. Um, yeah, he was in a TV show called Taggart. And oh. Taggart was a police uh, drama a TV show over yeah, here i'm not the, familiar with that one yep uh tagger is probably most famous for um spurring the line that everyone now uses when talking about scotland and scottish tv uh, tagger was, was set in glasgow and it was, uh, it, was a, it was a couple of police officers investigating something but there was sergeant tagger and his line was there's been a murder but and his accent he'd be like there's been a murder <laughs> and everyone thinks that's everyone in everyone in England thinks that's hilarious. Uh, everyone in Scotland <laughs> is kind of sick of hearing it. Um, but yeah, he's been, once again. It's just a multitude of TV. Like it, like all all these people are. It's all TV actors. They've all worked in TV. I think that Brian Larkin guy had a stint on River City as well. So they've they've all been on like British or Scottish TV. So they've kind of went down that road I I actually think that's why maybe I think the casting and the acting overall is, is pretty great in this because all these guys have been you know these guys have cut their chops in many different TV shows mm-hmm. so they're you know it's not as if this is their first like their first acting role or you know they've come from community theatre or anything else they're, they're all professionals who have been on kind of you know uh, either soap operas or you know episodic TV where they will have to learn their lines, come out, there's a small window to deliver it, they deliver their lines and then they go home. So I get the feeling here that they're all kind of, they're workhorse actors. And as a result of that, everyone is really well cast. Like no one's exceptional in the movie, by any stretch of the imagination, but at no point do I, I not believe they are, you know, they're not portraying the character that they are. Like, I'm not right. like, you know, he doesn't feel like a doctor. He well, totally feels like a doctor. She feels like a, a police constable. Right? Is that sort of level? So I think that's I think that's the bit that's, like, handled really well. Except, like, there's the next level up, and that next level up is Liam Cunningham, Pollyanna McIntosh, and uh, Douglas Russell, who are, yeah. like, your kind of principal 
your principal cast for the most part when it comes to the the actual war of good versus uh, good versus evil. Uh, Liam Cunningham playing a character just known as Six. Yeah, like it. I like it. We don't need to give him a name. Yeah, uh, Six yeah, is not like a Scottish he... name. It's a number. <laughs> so... <laughs> he he seems like he represents almost a neutral mm. position at times. I think. Yep. He's kind of the neutral, where Sergeant McCready's um, the evil and. Pollyanna Macintosh represents almost the good. Yep. So you've got each, you've got the two pillars, and then you got the spot in between, trying to push them one way or the other. Yep, I I, to I totally agree with that. I also like the fact that he's just dressed like vague. He's just yeah. all in black. He's you know, and like you see, he's there to kind of stop the conversation. He's also there on on some level to play with the audience. Yeah, you never really know what his motivation is. No, for the he's most a mystery. Yeah, I, I kind of love that because, like, you can, when watching this movie, flip flop on his motivation a couple of times, mm -hmm. and still get to the end of it and go, "All oh, right, <laughs> like, like, it's not where I thought it was going for the majority of it, or it's not where I like had settled yeah. on on what it was delivering." We also mentioned the the like the gore in this movie, just in general. This one is. Like, obviously, both this and The Last Shift at the time were great examples of, you know, movies that kind of leaned into those practical effects. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of kind of almost Christ-like imagery in this. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, like, I'm not saying it's Passion of the Christ-level gore, but, you know, there's, there's the, that stuff goes on with it. You can't really CGI that, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. It has yeah. to be done that way, and it's actually handled really 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 fucking well for a movie that doesn't have a huge budget at all you get the feeling that they did spend a you know a big a big swath of that directly into making sure that the practical effects look good so i'd like i'm kind of i'm kind of you know i'm kind of happy i will give you i will give you a bit of a, a laugh here uh, this is another thing that you would not have known right never in a million years would you have known this but it's a it's one of these little factoids that does make me smile quite a bit um one of the shooting locations for this movie uh, according to imdb and i can verify this because i know where it is <laughs> is on a place called high street uh, and a village called slamanin uh, which is in a town called falkirk uh, which is the town that i live in <laughs> Uh. <laughs> uh, and Salmanin is less than a 10 minute drive from where I am to the high street which oh. <laughs> they shoot some of this in uh, so like you could not have picked a movie that was like unless it was filmed in my house um, <laughs> you could not have picked a movie that was kind of more close to home than this one yeah uh, and the and guy's name's Duncan in it so th I know? know I mean like come on what are you doing here, Jeff? Are you trying to win me over? Because you've succeeded, right? This is how yeah, you barred me up. Um, so, like, the, like the, so I, they obviously they shot in Scotland, which is, like, a huge benefit. They also, I'm sure they shot some of this in Ireland. Um, but, like, yeah, those those effects, I think, drive it through. I, I think it would be really easy to do some of the more avant-garde stuff in this movie with a, a CGI lens, but I would also argue it probably wouldn't land as good as this one. And they never got OTT. Which yeah. is like, Last Shift does, but that's by its nature, it needs to. This mm -hmm. movie knows kind of what its limit is, 
and never goes beyond it, takes it right up to it, but never goes beyond it. And that kind of judgment on that level is surprisingly difficult to do. There are many movies that'll just do one practical effect too far, um, mm-hmm. or sometimes not go far enough. We're like, I could, like, let's see a little bit more. Um, but this one kind of holds the line there, so I thought that was really good. Yeah, and another thing I kind of wanted to say was America loves to do um, their version of the same film, remake of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would work in this instance because, you know, like you're saying, everything's pretty pretty believable. And yeah. over there with guns, like every person doesn't wake up and like load their gun like in America. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, when, when the sergeant comes back with his like hunting shotgun, like you're like, okay, that makes sense. But like in America, if they were to remake this, you know, they'd have a huge standoff and a guy with a turret would, like, come out of, like, a closet and shoot at people. You know, just, like, the most absurd, like, dumbest things. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that, that's... Well, have, like, that, like we, we mentioned it before, like, the, you know, the kind of... The kind of art type in this genre is John Carpenter's Assault and Precinct 13. Mm-hmm. Like, that movie has a lot of guns in it. That remake of that movie has, like, like three times the amount of guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, like, it, it just ex- it exponentially grows every time they do something. And, like, the, the kind of standoff movies that you have in... If I just watched one recently, I watched that, um... That, is it Cop Shop? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Gerard Butler. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is... Uh, like, our gift to you guys you can have him right? you can have <laughs> that only, scottish actor thing, yeah we'll pass but um the only other thing i was thinking of uh, another police station film with some violence is uh baskin was it Baskin? oh yeah <laughs> but the only difference with that one is you know you're not just in a police station you actually step into a portal of hell so. you go to hell in that movie yeah, you're, you're you physically in hell. go to hell in that movie um yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where it, it's a, a mechanism to deliver many different versions of the same story, but you're right. This one, that the idea of good versus evil portrayed in this movie relies on there not being huge access to firearms. Right. Um, because the, the stakes are higher that way. You know, you really are. You like, um, And the fact that, once again... Uh, Rachel, as played by Pollyanna McIntosh, she, this is she's rookie. She like she's recently. This is this is like our first week. Um, so she's yeah, her literal first shift because she she shows up with her uh, a perp, I guess. That, she shows yeah. up with Caesar, yes. <laughs> and uh, the sergeant's like, oh, you come bearing gifts or whatever." Yeah, for your first I, shift for your very 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 first shift. So like she's she's you know green behind the ears she doesn't understand all the ins and outs she's trying to navigate her way around this as well and i think that once again adds to it is that like it's a trope that's been used endlessly but in this one because of the setting and the nature of the kind of small rural police station that adds even more to it. It's not that she's been out in the gun range like shooting like you know that that, that just doesn't it's not is not a consideration here. This is like she's trained to handle a particular level of crime and you know, like a, a particular level of responsibility, and things are going to open up pretty quick into realms that she's just not used to dealing with. And the fact that McCready himself is her superior 
it's kind of you know it's an interesting dynamic that they put on mm-hmm. it uh, on it as well because you you kind of trained specifically in the police force but in anything that has a kind of a hierarchical system which follows uh, duty honor etc to you know obey the orders of your your superior like whatever that is that's how the chain of the chain of command works that way um right. and you know there's a there's there's a bit of that where rachel has to get her head rounded before she and of course six isn't helping things he's like stoking the fire like you said um and she really shouldn't be listening to him anyway but she kind of starts to and then things go the way they do i think that works yeah. Really, really, really well. I think it aids the movie well in an interesting way that you wouldn't get if this was a small Texan, you know, jail cell. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> someone would be shot very quickly in that Texan oh, yeah. jail cell. So, I like that as well. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's swing this in here then. Um, let's talk about the ending of this movie. The way it kind of wraps up is, I would say it feels a bit predictable, but there's also a comfort that comes with that because, like we said before, this does raise the question of this kind of moral situation of good versus evil. Um, there are two ways to play that out, but ultimately in horror, we tend to play it out the way this movie kind of aims so as a result it feels familiar but also feels kind of just to do it that way it doesn't go out yeah. its way to do the kind of fuck you ending um it gives you an ending that kind of makes sense and you know leaves you in a position where you're you're with the character that you've kind of spent a lot of time with and kind of grown to love through her first shift on the job so i i really really like that about this one what say you would you prefer a darker ending or is this one okay for you no, I was good with it. I, uh, you know, I, I guess I didn't remember that. Uh, do you go full spoilers on these? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this, you've watched the movie. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, so how her and Six kind of, he's like, ah, I knew you were the, this person from the start or whatever. And they kind of kiss and you kind of see they had something mm-hmm. like a, they, they worked out a deal at the end there. And, you're like, so so who the hell is she then? <laughs> you know, did yeah. she give her soul over to this guy like he wanted? Because he says he wants so much more from her. So he almost it feels like, you know, he's using her to get other people's souls and stuff like that. And they kind of play that morality game. Like it's almost like a I don't know, because she's not you no know, evil or anything, and he's not totally evil, but human human nature kind of takes over, 100%, I guess. Yeah. And they kind of let it play out. Yeah, I'd like, but I'd like that's to me is the more interesting way to to kind of finish that. Like sometimes oh, sure. I don't like. I know there there is a school of thought, and there is there's certainly room, a time and a place to do everything in a nice neat bow, so the audience walks out going like no one's walking out unsure of the ending of a movie, and this mm-hmm. movie isn't like on like a kind of Lynch level of. Well, was that the person resurrected through a timeline? You know, it's not on that level either, but right. it does leave a bit of grey, and a bit of grey is cool in a movie because I think it generates interesting conversation without it being like, well, they were all aliens, right? You yeah. know, like you don't end up on that level of conversation, but you can still say, well, maybe the motivation was this, or well, maybe the motivation was that. You start injecting a little bit of yourself yeah, into the movie right. conversation. I think that is kind of 
I wish more movies did that, to be honest. Yeah, it'd be, be more refreshing than the kind of generic tie-ups we get in a lot of stuff now. Yeah, well, unlike the aforementioned Cop Shop, uh, <laughs> which I watched, and I don't know why I've, I've got a fucking hard-on for hating this movie. I watched it um, a couple of weekends ago, because uh, uh-huh. it finally appeared on Amazon Prime and I had to kill like an hour and a half while feeding a child and looking after my the child as well and uh, I switched it on and the ending of that movie made me so fucking angry I almost threw my remote control at the telly because that shit ending it's like, it's like a, a non-event shit ending where two characters are driving along the road and singing the same song and then oh, what the fuck like and cop shop comes up and I'm supposed to be happy as a of you <laughs> made, fucking like fuck that ending that's a, that's an that is an ending and a script it's written just, by someone that doesn't care. One of those endings that, no matter how good the rest of the movie was, just makes you mad enough to hate the entire thing. Oh yeah, because that's the thing you walk out thinking. Like if you see that <laughs> in cinema, that's what you go out on, and you're it's like, no, bullshit. no, this is like, exactly this is built. What does that mean? Like, is there an after credit? No, there isn't. Yeah. You know, Funny. If, if you give me the after credit, which showed me the after effect, I don't know, maybe like a like an actual game of chicken on a road, or someone being arrested, or that person got away and the the journey continues on. And I genuinely thought, are they are they angling for a sequel right now? Because I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> nor should anyone else. Let's, let's, yeah. Let's make this end. Um, so yeah, like the thing I think the thing that stands out to me about like, in summation your choice here the thing that really works for me will let us pray is in a lot of respects it's simplicity as you know it's not a, it's not necessarily the most original story and it's using mechanisms that we are familiar with specifically in in our genre like, mm-hmm. if, like it's very difficult to find anyone who isn't a fan of someone like a john carpenter you know Right. And, you know, like, as a result of that, I imagine Assault on Precinct 13 is kind of in your brain. I mean, it also reminds me in some way of the obvious one that we didn't mention is The Void. Um, oh, yeah. Which, you know, that's your, your police siege, you know, it's a kind of combination of all those movies we mentioned. Um, but yeah, like, there's another one where it's a, it's a mechanism we're familiar with within the genre that you can have a bit of fun with. It's versatile as well because you can have it down the moral road, you can have it down the horror road, you can have it down the supernatural road, you can have it down the extraterrestrial or interdimensional road. And all these things work because it's it's the, it's the opposite to the other well-used kind of single set location, which is the old, the old house. Right. The old house in the hill. So it's just taking it to a different... Uh, what mechanism can we use to keep people in a single location? Well, jail cell. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of playing with that, and I like that, but what I think it's... What elevates the movie above that is it's got strong casting. I really like the casting in this movie. I think the script's really well written. It's not. It's very easy to get cheesy... And that rhymes and I didn't mean it to uh, <laughs> it is very easy to get cheesy when dealing with you know like a lofty subject matter like good versus evil right and this never feels twee at any moment it like surprisingly puts his money where its mouth is when it comes to the actual practical effects itself 
And it ends in a place where, like we mentioned, it ends on a, like a relatively happy note with a maybe a slight underline of, huh? Right, yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this maybe more sinister than I thought it was? And it wraps it all up really, really well. Also, and I'll be, I'll be a, a big old fan of this, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love those quick run times. God bless a movie that's an hour <laughs> and a half because some movies... Like I'm, I'm just back. The reason we're we're recording that a bit later. I'm just back. I'm just back from the Northman, uh, the new Robert Eggers movie. Which, by the way, is fucking awesome. It's a tits because it's Robert Eggers. But that is a close <laughs> to two hour forty minute movie. Oh boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that seems lot. to be the standard anymore now. Kind of with the you know the Netflix type of filmmaking because yeah. you know they they throw a pile of money at a director. And they give them that freedom. Yeah. So they're like, okay, instead of somebody coming in to help cut this down to like a manageable hour and a half, hour, 50 minute movie, we're getting these movies with like two and a half to three and a half hours. They also, I think they like, also yeah. know that like your general, like your non-genre fan, general Netflix viewer doesn't watch anything in a single sitting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. even like the, the TV CDs that they put on, like people, it's weird. People will binge watch a TV show on Netflix. Yeah, Fifteen you know, hours. Yeah, like you know, that. But if it's a movie that's two hours long, that's three sittings. You know, yeah. if it's like it's when they put the what was it, the Hateful Eight, they split up yeah. into four parts. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah, like, does this need to be split into four parts? Yeah, it's a four-part episodic now. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. There's a, there's a the, the goalposts have moved on, and it's mostly down to the medium that people consume what they watch now and i don't mind a longer movie if there's you know if the you know i can be drawn into the story i think there are plenty movies out there that will run an extra 15 20 minutes because of the platform they're on and like you say because netflix isn't standing over them going "Uh, we may want to cut that bit out it doesn't really add anything this subplot doesn't really do anything it's kind of like we're giving you the money, we're giving you final cut. Go ahead and make your movie, and we'll put it on yep. a platform. And as a result, yep. directors will always want more. Like I'm yeah. not aware of any director ever saying, you know, actually, I filmed <laughs> like a, one hour and forty-five minutes. I want to cut out fifteen minutes of that. Every director will want to keep that extra fifteen minutes in because it's yeah. their vision and they shot it. So yeah, I was gonna say we don't have directors' cuts anymore. We just sure. have the cuts because that's what it is. So pretty much pretty much and uh, like when you can do like this movie gets everything it needs to say delivers all of that comfortably in its time frame and no point does it feel rushed and you know conversely at no point does it ever feel too slow it has a a really good pace and it, it moves the story along at a whip you get plenty of like kind of rounding out of the characters which is great because we're spending time with them um and then ends where it ends in a way which kind of to me feels satisfying so it's one of those like it's one of those rare anomalies of a a movie i think just in general it's not that it went under the radar but it came out in a very busy year 2014 was a huge like 2014 is the start it's the starting kind of pistol for the huge conversations that we are still having about quote-unquote elevated horror yeah exactly um and this one just kind of came out and did it did the rounds on things like a netflix or whatever streaming service you were on and maybe not to the fanfare that 
I was going to say it deserves it does deserve a bit of fanfare but at the same time it is a small indie horror movie so maybe it doesn't at the same time um, but I'm glad you picked it man I really I really really, really am because it's one of those ones that uh, whilst I didn't watch it immediately before we recorded yeah. um, I did watch it within the last year and a half and it, like I came out of being of the opinion actually this every time I watch it it kind of goes up a little bit more for me uh, right. any final thoughts from yourself on Let Us Pray? No, I mean, you know, you we kind of touched on all the runtime and stuff like that. I, I also appreciated that there's a little bit of mystery behind some of the characters. There wasn't like huge exposition dumps explaining the background. The doctor went to school in the city <laughs> and he found out to do all this. You know, they kind of threw interrogating him, like doing what the police would actually do and yeah. just kind of uh, letting his character like evolve um, over itself during the runtime of the film. You know, we got we got a good picture of him being like a creep with a yeah. few like um, flashback scenes. And that that's one thing they do in this. Um, and six kind of initiates those flashback scenes. He almost has like the power of touch type thing kind of. Yes. That's one thing that you kind of, it's a little bit overplayed in some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the, like this guy has the power to look in the past or something like Especially that. Especially when it comes to like, like we mentioned before about those tales of good and evil and, and whatnot. There's always someone that manages to, I was thinking about the frailty as well. When we mentioned that yeah. as, a, as a movie, which, kind of falls within this genre as well because the majority of it is someone going in to confess in a police station. Right, yeah. You know what Almost I mean? like a True Detective 2. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, how do we not mention True Detective? <laughs> Time is a flat circle, Jeff. I don't know if you know that. Um, so, but yeah, like that, that idea is, is a very common. Like, if you've got that, the ability to touch and then see how good or evil someone is and their past deeds to judge against them. Yeah. Yeah. And they give him the opportunity. I mean, he does give him the opportunity to write their, well, sort of, to write their wrongs. Like, I mean, Caesar, obviously, he tries to, but didn't really do it. But, the you know, Six is like, yeah, whatever, you, you tried. Yes. <laughs> and then the rest of the guys are just so, like, blatantly evil that really there's no saving him. He's just basically telling him, like, you know, we're, we're at the doorstep of, like, your like final destination yeah. and you've made this choice and you're going to live with it and die with it. So, yeah. but yeah, like I said, you know, it, it's, I, I think it does good, not like, you know, laying too much on us as viewers for this small cast and small, like kind of tight knit story, I, I guess would be a way to say, it. cause it's, it's, it, it, it's, it not, yeah, it's, it's not an fun. exceptional movie in any particular area. But it's it's above competent, if you know what I mean. Like everything yeah. it does, it does well. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't one bit in in any of it from casting, design, runtime, score, effects, or anything where I'm like, well, that could have been a bit better. You know what I mean? It's like it, it is it like across the board, it's consistently good without being an exceptional movie. Right. And there's a, I don't know. I think we've. With the, the the ability to make movies as cheap as people can nowadays and churn them out and get them on platforms, you usually have to sacrifice something in there to get your movie out. Whether right. that's plot, or like effects or whatever, there's usually one element that doesn't hold together. This one across the board does everything well. Yeah, for sure. Nice, nice. Jeff, I I'll be honest, I uh, I'm glad that we ended up where we did. Had we spoken <laughs> about the other movie the aforementioned kidnap from 
2010. Um, I think we'd have been talking a lot more about the technical prowess of that movie, and not necess- there's not a lot in the plot of that movie, to be honest. Yeah. But technically, that is a movie that is essentially 12 long shots, like te- right. 12 one takes pieced together, which is the fascinating part of that that particular movie. Um, so I, I, I just want to say that you picked the better movie and <laughs> i will next time read my messages better uh which is which is a must um now you are going to be joining me real soon on the old uh, summer series I am. podcast under the stairs excited about that yeah i am i i think the format and all that stuff could be pretty interesting for sure yeah uh, do, do you feel confident that you have the ability to make sure that no one like picks their own movie because let's be honest it's likely to happen somewhere uh based on the draft that i was put in it's gonna be tough but i'm gonna do my best to make sure the right thing gets through <laughs> i like your confidence i like your confidence yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try and back you up here because um there's a there's a there's a few message threads there and people are already talking nonsense um, so <laughs> yeah it's my yeah, job to try and corral them back in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> every time, every time. Um if memory serves, you're back doing kind of podcast stuff, whether it's guest appearances or just in general being back being cool. Um even if you haven't put out anything in the last couple of weeks, is there a particular piece that people should be going out to check out your stuff? Yeah, so I mean, you know, my my go to's always saying go check out the Dead End Grand House podcast, but that one that one's kind of been uh in limbo i guess again yeah it's so hard to keep that one going for some reason but i i am on uh, i am a co-host on uh night of the nerdy laser podcast with my friends (laughs) richard and matt Mm -hmm. and you know it's a weekly podcast and we kind of just do a standard breakdown of a horror movie or a horror adjacent movie so um going pretty strong with that i and then every 10th episode we do like a horror themed episode but not a movie so we kind of just cover something else in general just to switch it up a little bit and nice they're actually super busy because they're putting on a, a convention oh shit um, yeah in in tennessee so they you know they got joe bob going out there um i think it's called FrankenCon. so if anybody hears this and wants to go check it out i think they have general admission tickets i figured i'd plug it <laughs> yeah you should uh should try and drop uh bo ransdell a link because he's out that way he's oh okay he's yeah. in nashville i think so okay yeah i'll uh i'll let him know tell him yeah. you said uh go his way but yeah they're doing that so Best of luck to them, and you know we're having a good time with the podcast as well, so I can't complain. Nice, nice. Like I've said it before, I'll say it again. Um, you are always a ton of fun to chat to, and the thought of you not being able to do podcast stuff uh, would make me sad. So I, I'm, gl- I'm <laughs> I glad that you are. Um, I mean, let's be honest, we will be recording for Summer Series real soon, but the door is always open, my friend. Uh, if you want to chat, you want to come back on Chronicle, pick another European horror movie. Not it kidnapped. won't be kidnapped. Not kidnapped. <laughs> uh, come back and chat about another movie. Uh, it's always welcome to you. And um, yeah, with that, I'm going to uh, bring this in after a short break and close out the show right after this. And you've been listening to Chronicle Podcast. This has been Season 4, Episode Number 
five, we had our very special guest, Jeff Lawn, joining us to discuss Let Us Pray, a movie which, like I said in the intro, filmed relatively close to home. It's always great chatting to Jeff and I hope he joins me again somewhere down the line for another episode of Chronicle and brings with him a movie of equal or greater stature than Let Us Pray. That movie holds up surprisingly well on rewatches. It doesn't do anything particularly fancy, nor does it need to. If you've got your argumentative streak ready and you want to just start laying out things, consistent sometimes is better than one element that's exceptional. Now, Chronicle Podcast will return next month. The guest will be Derek Bourgeois from the Cinema Attacks podcast. He's bringing with him, oh, a saucy little number that I'm looking very much to discussing with yourselves. So keep your eyes peeled for that episode dropping towards the end of May. As always, this episode was recorded for you. I love doing them. I also love feedback. So please, please, please reach out, get in touch. And if you want to be a part of this season of Chronicle, then let me know. The best way to do it is on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Chronicle podcast. Chronicle is a proud member of the Tea Putts Collective, an overarching umbrella of different podcasts all on a singular feed, the sister feed to the podcast Under the Stairs. On this feed, you can get involved with shows like Where to Begin With, which details out a journey each season around the subgenre that I think, you know, this is the logical choice of films to get you in, round out your knowledge and set you on the right path post the movies. We're doing film noir and neo-noir this season and it's been a ton of fun thus far. We're doing classics and I would just like to see modern classics as well. So that's where to begin with. Doing the nasties sees myself and Mark Ball do the tier 3 list of the video nasties. If you are really wanting to get in on the ground floor. There's a brand new season of Opera Omnia about to drop. Each season of Opera Omnia looks at one director and works its way through his entire filmography. I picked a doozy coming up. It will be a short season but the films are of such a ridiculously high quality. I almost feel like I'm spoiling you guys. So yeah, make sure you subscribe to Teapots Collective to get all that content. So let's bring this show in for a close and leave you with a parting thought. As Ernest Hemingway once said, being against evil doesn't make you good. Tonight, I was against it and then I was evil myself. This is Duncan McLeish from Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Until next month. Ignition, T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 